everyone can clearly see that adoption is my passion. Everything that I do, everything that I say, all my posts are adoption related. My hashtags are adoption related. Everything that I'm putting out there, people can see that I love adoption and I love foster care and I love the children in foster care. So it makes the message so much clearer now that I know that I have a specific, you know, niche. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. There's a reason that every marketing class you've ever taken or any business coach you've ever worked with has asked you to start by defining who your customer is. And that reason is simply that most beginner business owners, and even plenty of people who should know better, end up trying to be everything to everybody. And of course they do. It seems like it would be so much easier to make a product that everybody wants to buy. It seems like it would be so much more effective to create marketing that resonates with everyone. But in the end, when you're speaking to everyone, you're speaking to no one. And when you're creating for everyone, you're creating for no one. You're listening to What Works, the show that brings you candid conversations with small business owners who share what's actually working to run and grow their businesses. I'm your host, Tara McMullen. We've been talking about decluttering your business this month. So far, we've tackled streamlining your business model, paring down your working hours, and focusing only on work that truly lights you up. Plus, you've heard how members of the What Works Network have created more results with less work in a variety of ways. This week, we're going to look at decluttering your customers. Now, on a serious note, I'm not at all suggesting that anyone you work with or create for is clutter, but I am suggesting that there's a good chance you're not as clear on who you serve and why you serve them as you could be. Case in point, Janaris Marte had been a photographer for 18 years with limited success. She was a self-described jack-of-all-trades. Then she realized she had an opportunity. She could specialize in photography for adoptive families. Instead of creating portraits of anyone who popped into her inbox, she could focus on connecting with a community of people she knew well with a service that could transform their families. In this interview, you'll hear how Janaris decided to focus on adoptive families, how she connects with new clients, and the specialized packages she's able to offer because of her niche. But I also really want you to pay attention to how Janaris describes the impact this focus has had on her business operations and client experience too. She wasn't only able to clean up the way she markets herself as a photographer, she was able to become much more efficient at the way she communicates with clients and delivers her services at the same time. Has your business gone from a jack-of-all-trades to a highly specialized venture? I'd love to hear your story. Share what works for you on Instagram using the hashtag ExploreWhatWorks and tag me at Tara underscore McMullen. We just might feature your story. Now, let's find out what works for Janaris Marte. Janaris Marte, welcome to What Works. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, thanks. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Okay, so we're going to really talk about how you've found your niche and not just a broad niche, but a super specific niche and how that's playing out in your business. And that niche is that you have chosen to specialize in photographing adoptive families. What led you and why did you choose such a specific niche? Well, I've been a photographer for about 18 years, kind of on and, you know, officially since 2010, though. And um, I've I've seen that there's so many family photographers. So I haven't been able to find my USP in all this time. Um, It's taken me forever to kind of stand out 
from the crowd of a million and one photographers. And so uh, just last year, I hired a coach to kind of get me out of my funk so I can finally start to really have a business. And we just started kind of talking of about all the things that I do on a daily basis, just in, a, in my regular life. And that came up just because I, I volunteer a lot in foster organizations. I, you know, participate so much in different foster and adoptive organizations. And so she was like, oh, well, you know, why not target adoption families? Is that something that you'd be interested in? And I was like, yeah, you know, that sounds amazing. That sounds like something that I could definitely do. And like I speak the language because I'm an adoptive mom. Um, I fostered since 2013 and uh, have, have since adopted two little girls. So this is my world, you know. Um, so for me, it was pretty easy, an easy transition. Mm. I want to talk more about this idea of you speaking the language, because I think I, I have a feeling that that's an important piece of this puzzle. So just kind of broad strokes as we start to drill down into how this niche has affected your business, how has your own experience as a foster mom impacted the way that you work with clients, the way that you speak to them, the way that you design for them, the way that you think about their experience? I know a lot of the pain points that these moms have, you know, a lot, there's a lot of uncertainty in adoption. You don't, you, you think you're all ready to go and the baby's coming and you're going to have an adoption and, you know, everything gets approved and everything's finalized. And then at the end, the mom can back out or the paperwork doesn't go through and you need to come completely start the process. So I know a lot of what goes on in the adoption world. And so I can, I can speak to them with a lot of empathy. You know, I feel for them. I don't, I'm not just trying to make a, a, a buck, you know? So like if someone, if I can, if I, like usually I take a deposit and, you know, everything is pretty set in stone, but with adoption families, just because you don't know what will happen tomorrow, I have to give them that security that if something happens and the adoption falls through or something happens and the paperwork didn't fall through on time, I have to make sure that they are comfortable enough with me to trust me to give them, give me a deposit. So what I do is I, I assure them that if something happens and it doesn't work out, that their deposit is safe and they can have it back, that it's a refundable deposit for them. You know, just small things like that have helped me to really understand them and to give them a sense of security in my business. Oh, I love that. And such a great example of how, like you said, it's not just about making a buck. It's not just about marketing yourself as a photographer for adoptive families, but really thinking about the whole experience. Has the, have the sessions themselves changed or have they evolved to um, kind of capture more of that empathy and experience as well? I've always been kind of a lifestyle photographer where I kind of follow you around like a fly on the wall. So it's, it's a very, uh, very candid, very high relationship, low posing type of session. So um, they haven't really changed much. It's, it's, you know, I just get there and photograph them as they are having fun, laughing, tickling, same, same thing. Um, what I have seen that is different is that um, some of these families, like, the kids are still not super, super comfortable. So I'm just kind of working with getting them to show a genuine relationship, but showing a lot of love in the process so that they can mm. see this in the future and see how, how the transition or how the changes have been from the beginning to where they are, you know, 10 years from now. 
Yeah, that's such a, a, a profound product, essentially, that you're creating for people is this uh, representation of something that maybe isn't completely concrete yet, this family bond, um, but that is something that is a symbol of the solidification of that family bond over time. It's it, it's really moving to, to think about it and to hear you talk about it. Um, all right, let's talk about the marketing side of things, because although this has certainly impacted, um, you know, like you said, the way you take a deposit, the way you talk with the people that you're um, working with, the, the way that you think through the sessions as they're happening. I'm sure that it is, it's impacted the way you go about finding clients as well. So once you decided to really specialize in on adoptive families, what were some of the things that you changed about the way you marketed yourself as a photographer? Can you kind of walk us through from that that decision with your coach to make this uh, adjustment to start specializing? Can you walk us through some of the changes that you made? Yeah. Um, before, like m for the past, I don't know, decade, I've been working mostly on social media and word of mouth. And um, after I spoke to her, I realized that if I wanted to reach a specific client, I needed to really get in there where these people are, where these adoptive families are. And it wasn't that hard because I'm already in part in a lot of support groups just because of my own two girls. I'm already in a lot of the, the community events that go on. I'm in everything. So I'm involved in a lot of these agencies as well. So that part wasn't too hard. But what I, what I did, what I started doing was going to these agencies and leaving brochures with the adoption case managers. That was definitely something that I never thought of before going to these events and just introducing myself, talking to people, maybe even like recruiting some cute kids that were like in interracial um, homes for to, to be my models for my portfolio. So just getting to know these families in different ways has helped me to reach a market that I didn't even see as an opportunity before. I love that. How, you know, you said about social media, are you still using social media? How has that evolved as you've gotten clearer on your niche? I'm, I'm still using social media. It, I'm, it's just so comfortable for me and it's so easy to spread the word, you know, in a large audience. And it's, it's been beneficial. I do now I started blogging because before I wasn't blogging at all because I had no idea what to talk about. I mean, I'm a photographer mm. just like a million other people. So I had no idea what to say. But now as an adoption photographer, I know exactly what my, what those people are going through and I can speak to them with clarity. I can, I sound like an expert now, you know, I know exactly what they're going through, exactly what, what they um, need and how to get them from step one all the way to, to the end, to the ceremony, to the adoption ceremony. So I can get them all the way through with little guides on my blog and um, advice, um, different things that I've that I've, you know, realized that we all need. So just kind of, I'm just kind of a support for people who are going through adoptions and people who are fostering. I've gotten lots of phone calls from people who were never, you know, who hadn't thought of adoption at, until I started speaking about it on my uh, social media. So that's pretty cool. That's really cool. <laughs> That's amazing. So, so you're saying people through what you were sharing on social media, the content that you were creating, you've actually influenced people to consider adoption when they weren't considering it before. Right. Exactly. That's amazing. People have been calling me to help them 
start uh, start the process to become a foster mom and stuff. So I think that that's really cool that now I can speak a language that ev- that people are understanding because I understand what I'm saying. I'm clear on, on my message. I'm clear on who I want to speak to. And it is the other day I, I asked, uh, I put a poll on my Insta story and the poll was, can you tell that adoption is my passion? And I mean, like, over 150 people put yes. It was 100% yes. Everyone can clearly see that adoption is my passion. Everything that I do, everything that I say, uh, all my posts are adoption related. My hashtags are adoption related. Just everything that I'm putting out there, people can see that I love adoption and I love foster care and I love the children in foster care. Everything about it. So it makes the message so much clearer now that I know that I have a specific you know niche into this area. I just I'm I'm, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. I, I just started it, so I haven't made a ton of money in it, but I'm loving the the journey. Yeah, I I love how passionately you're speaking, not just about <laughs> your passion, but but about how this has clarified your business for you. Because I think so many people are in the position that you were in where it's like, okay, I'm a great photographer, or I'm a great coach, or I'm a great designer, but there are so many other people that are great at those things too. How do I stand out? How do I even get excited about this? And this is such a fan- fantastic way for you to have found that thing that gets you excited, not just about what you do, but about the business itself as well. I have, I absolutely love that. Um, I'm curious if you've seen an uptick in people finding you through search engines. You know, I just recently hired um, someone to help me with my SEO because I was like on six, on the sixth page or lower. So I, uh, I haven't, uh, it just started. I just started this last week. But I see the the need every time that I type in keywords that make sense for me, there's this other photographer that keeps popping up. And so I'm like trying to knock her off of page one. <laughs> so I'm working on SEO now because that's not something that I focused on before. Gotcha. Okay. That makes a ton of sense. Um, the main reason I ask is because um, w- my husband and I actually found our wedding photographer, photographer through search because we were eloping to Glacier National Park. And I literally typed in elope in Glacier National Park. And a couple of blog posts by our photographer were the first things that popped up. And I could so see that working for you as well, especially with what you're talking about in terms of the content that you're creating right now. Um, so that's awesome. I'm glad, I'm glad you're focusing on that. You'll hear more about how niching down has transformed Generis's business in just a minute. But first, a word from our What Works partners. What Works is brought to you by Bench. It's tax season, and that means you're thinking about whether your books are in order. If you're ready to stop stressing about cleaning up your business finances yourself, it's time to get Bench. Bench combines easy-to-use software with real human beings who do your bookkeeping for you. Not only does your money stay neat and tidy, you get valuable monthly financial statements and expense reports, plus access to your personal bookkeeping team whenever you have a question. Even better, What Works listeners get 20% off their first six months of bookkeeping, and you can try it out free of charge before you commit. To get started, go to explorewhatworks.com slash bench. That's explorewhatworks.com slash bench. What Works is also brought to you by Mighty Networks. Mighty Networks powers brands and businesses like yours that bring people together. 
Now, the way most small businesses run is a mess. Your content is spread out over a bunch of different platforms. Your products live somewhere else. Your community hangs out in a different space. And your payment processor, that's yet another tool. Starting a Mighty Network, though, can change all of that. Mighty Networks makes it easy to bring your content, products, community, events, and payment processing all together. We use Mighty Networks to power the What Works Network. We share exclusive content, interact with members using questions and polls, host events like our virtual conferences, and accept membership fees. Mighty Networks has made our whole business tidier. Start cleaning up your business and systems by starting your Mighty Network today. Go to MightyNetworks.com to get started. Started. Mighty Networks is the easiest way to take your business to the next level. Um, I want to I want to ask a question that might sound a little silly, but I know that when we start talking about niches and start talking about specializing in a particular set of clients, that it's something that people worry about. Um, and that is, I'm curious if you ever worry or were anxious maybe when you were in the process of making the decision, if this niche was too small to actually fuel your business. Yeah, I definitely did because I am in the adoption community and everything is given to us for free. And mm. so my main concern was how in the world are people going to pay me upwards of a, over a thousand dollars for something that people are getting for free everywhere. You know, like people are just giving adoption and foster care families things for free. How can I compete with that? And so it took a lot of um, training on my own, on my part, in my mind that what I am offering is not something that can just be given for free. It's, it's something of high value it's something that, you know, my children, when they look at their portraits that I have hanging on their walls, they thank me. They literally thank me. They're three years, three and five years old. And when they see a picture of us as a family, they say, mommy, thank you for my picture. You know, and it's something that um, that I've come to realize since I started doing this, that kids, especially in foster care and adoption families, they need to feel part of your family. And um, it's not a it's not a product that you can just say, oh, well, someone just gave it to me for free or my uncle took the pictures in the courtroom or uh, I just had the court clerk take these pictures. You know, it's not something that someone can just give to you. And so that's where I began, began to begun to train myself to use better language in speaking to people that um, this is not something you just want to take lightly. This is a one-time thing. You go through these ceremonies, for example, like I photographed these adoption ceremonies and I've heard people tell me, oh, I don't I don't need to hire a photographer because there's a court clerk there. And I from experience, I know that that's a terrible idea because I was, um, you know, I, I had two adoptions. Um, the first one, I, I, I let my friend do it, which it was good. You know, it was great, you know, but I, I saw the need for a professional to be there. And the second one, of course, I hired a, a professional photographer and it was a big difference. And um, this is what I. I'm learning to speak to my clients about that. Yes, people will give this to you for free. Yes, people can give you so much, you know, so many of these things for free. But do you really want to take that one opportunity you have in a courtroom with all those emotions and trust someone who has no idea what they're doing? And just because they gave it to you for free. I mean, this is something that uh, it's a it's a one time thing. So um, 
I was. I was terrified because I was like, how am I just going to reach this tiny little market? But as I've gotten into it, I realized that what I have to offer is, is huge. Absolutely. I'd love to talk a little bit more about this free versus high value and, you know, therefore worth paying for um, uh, aspect to what you do and the conversations that you're having with people. Because again, I think that, you know, obviously it's very, that this particular conversation is is specific to your niche. But I think that general idea of people thinking, oh, I'll do it myself, or I'll have my friend do it, or whatever it might be, that's really common to a lot of different businesses. Um, So at what point do you find yourself having that conversation with prospects? Is it early on when they're just starting to think, like maybe they didn't even think about having a photographer uh, in the courtroom with them, or um, maybe they didn't think about having family, they haven't, they haven't really thought about having family portraits taken, or is it something that happens closer to when you're actually going to close the deal? This is usually in the beginning, you know, they, they, a lot of people have not thought of the having a photographer in the courtroom, which is, that's what I'm working on with my blogs and my posts. I want to let I want to educate everyone on on realizing the importance of having a photographer in the courtroom. Um, but once they once we make that phone call, they're like, you know, once they we have a, a in-person consultation where I show them the albums, where I show them all the beautiful wall art that they can have in their home and, they, you know, where they can fall in love with everything with the products. So there that's where I speak about the importance of it. And that's where I speak about the price. So when they see that, of course, a lot of people are going to be like, you know, where can I get this for free? Or maybe someone's offering it for me or I have a friend that's a photographer. Maybe they'll show up at court and do it for me. You know, so it's usually in the beginning where I have to kind of where I have to educate the importance of the entire process and how important it is to have someone there that knows exactly what the entire process is. I had one photographer in the courtroom who stood all the way in the back because they were terrified of coming close to the judge's table where me as an adoptive mom, I you know, you, I know that you can get all the way to the front. You can basically go <laughs> next to the judge and take pictures where she is, you know, it's a big difference. And so you're going to get a very, uh, you're going to get a different product if you hire someone who is not first in adoptions. Yeah. I love how specific you talk about why hiring you is a good idea for this. Um, And I think that just speaks to what you said before about the clarity of message, the clarity of purpose behind this. Um, And it, it sounds like that is very, very clear in your sales conversations as well. So it's no surprise to me that this is going well for you. Um, I'm, so I had not thought about um, taking pictures in the courtroom for the actual, you know, the, the finalization of the adoption, um, before we started talking and, and, you know, before we started, before I even, you know, was really considering this, um, can you kind of talk us through what kind of offerings you have? Like, what are the different kinds of packages that you have designed specifically for adoptive families? Well, I start from the beginning. There, are, there's two different. Well, there's a few different types of adoption, but the two main ones are private adoption, where a, ch- a parent goes through an agency and looks for a birth mom who's pregnant, and then you have a child. And then there's adoption through foster care. And through foster care, it's usually a, a parent who has fostered the child for uh, upwards of six months or 
uh, uh, I don't know, six months or more. And then it's time for the adoption. So, you know, the child you've been, the child has been in your home forever and you know, um, now it's time for the adoption. So for the, for the adoption, the private adoption, uh, clients, I have, I'm with them from the beginning to the end. So I'm with them to create a profile session, which is something that they need to give their agency so that they can show these books to the birth parents and kind of sell them on that couple. So I take pictures of them in their home. I do kind of like a lifestyle session where I get them cooking together or playing together or doing things that they normally do so that their profile book looks very realistic, accurate, and very professional. And so they give these books that I, I partnered up with another company that makes profile books. And we are doing this together and we give them their profile book. They send them to the agency. So that's one part of it. And then I go also to the, uh, for the private adoption clients, I also go to the hospital to meet them and when they're going to see the baby for the first time. So this one is huge. This is a really emotional day where you're meeting your child for the first time ever. So you can imagine the emotions that are going through um, that hospital room. So that's a main one. And then, of course, for the foster families, what I do is go to the ceremony. That's the beginning of their journey. They go to the ceremony, photograph their family as they're finalizing these documents. And then for both private and foster care, I also do family sessions afterwards. So I'm with you from beginning all the way to the end if you need me. That is absolutely incredible. I am blown away, <laughs> seriously, <laughs> uh, by how thoughtful that is. And again, I had no idea, but it makes so much sense that you would take pictures for that profile so that people can find that that right uh, child in the first place. That's absolutely incredible. Um, are there any other ways that, you know, since you've chosen to specialize in adoptive families that your business has um, changed or evolved into, you know, operations or kind of how you manage yourself, how you manage your time, something that we haven't covered yet that maybe I don't even know to ask about? Well, I mean, I didn't, I never thought of automation before. Um, mm. I, I see that this process is a very intricate, uh, detailed thing that I want to offer people. And I don't want to mess it up. I don't, before I was just kind of like someone would send me an email and I would send them an email back. It wasn't like, a, there was no automation. There was no uh, system in place. I would, one client would get one thing. Another client would get another. And when it comes to adoptions, I really want to be more focused and offer everyone a great service from beginning to end. This is a time where they're going through very emotional moments. They're excited, super, super excited, or they could be super, super sad. Um, so I want everyone to receive the same, um, the same great service. And so automation has definitely been a game changer for me. I love that you shared that because I think a lot of times people think about automation as something that takes the intimacy and the service out of the equation. And your point, I think, is it spot on that thinking about systems, thinking about automation can actually enhance the service and make sure that everybody is getting your best. Yeah. So I super duper appreciate that. Um, Janaris, this has been absolutely fascinating to kind of <laughs> see this inside look on how you've specialized. Um, what are you excited about in your business uh, for this year? We're recording here in January. I'm curious kind of what your January or what your 2019 goals are and, and what you what, maybe what what projects you're working on for this year? Um, the, I have an organization called the Sweet Chance, which is a uh, an organization that ha that celebrates Sweet Sixteens of teens in foster care. And what we do is we gather volunteers, hair make hair makeup photographers, 
We get a venue donated. We get catering, cake, everything. I mean, we get the works, limo. And what we do is we photograph these kids for their, their sweet 16s. And then we send them in a limo to a big mass, huge party for uh, last year we did 40 teens. And what I really want to do this year, my major goal is to get on Ellen this year. So that is, uh, I, re- we, 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 I really want this organization to take off. It's a major part of um, my life. So that's one major thing. That all started because of my love of photography. I, jo- I started with a couple of friends who her daughter is adopted and she wanted to start this organization because she knew that it was so important for kids like her to celebrate something that they would never have celebrated otherwise. So that's a major part of my business that I really want to grow this year. And I definitely want to get just pictures of kids. I just want kids to know that they are worthy. And I want to have more families purchase art for their home of their kids with their family. That's my main goal for this year. Incredible. Janaris Marte, this has been a fascinating conversation. And I really, really appreciate the look inside of your business. Yay. Thank you. Find out more about Janaris Marte at Janaris.com. That's J-A-N-E-R-I-S.com. Now, before we wrap things up, can I ask you a small favor? If you've enjoyed our focus on cleaning up and streamlining your business this month, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Your reviews help us reach new listeners and spread our no-hype message to more small business owners. And we'll be forever grateful. On Thursday, I'll share a sneak peek of our April conversations. This episode was produced by Sean McMullen. It was edited by Marty Seafelt. Our theme music is by The Shrugs. Thanks to Mighty Networks and Bench for helping to make what works possible. Find over 190 other candid conversations with small business owners at explorewhatworks.com. <laughs>